Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Pastor's study. In our last program, we began thinking through issues about what we're calling rather broadly God and government. And in that first program, after reviewing the Apostle Paul's statements about government in the Bible's book of Romans, chapter 13, we looked at a number of issues arising out of those passages from the lens of the 1644 book Lex Rex by Samuel Rutherford, that book which considers the relation of law to king, uh, that is the relation of law to political leadership. That book had a formative influence on the development of the government of our nation, which is a constitutional republic in which the laws of the land are to take precedence over the views or the authority of any political party or individual. Rutherford presented his very tightly argued case with material from the Old and the New Testaments, ancient Greek and Roman law, and what is often called natural law, the belief that certain rights are inherent in human nature because of the work of God, or, well, as non-Christians would see it, from some other transcendent source. This week, we want to continue to think through God and government, but doing that a little more practically, How should Christians think about public policy? How should our Christian faith help us think through political issues under the lordship of Jesus Christ? How do we think Christianly about the political issues that are always before us, especially in election years? My guest today is Dr. David Van Drunen. Dr. Van Drunen was trained as a minister before he received his formal training in the field of law. He knows pastoral work, having served as an Orthodox Presbyterian pastor in Illinois for two years before beginning his teaching at Westminster Seminary in California in 2001. Well, since that time, Dr. Van Drunen has given much attention to the way systematic theology, biblical studies, ethics, and legal and political theory intersect. He's developed his thinking in many scholarly books and articles and in popular treatments like his very helpful Bioethics and the Christian Life, a guide to making difficult decisions. While Samuel Rutherford drew insights from natural law, Dr. Van Drunen has delved deeply into the natural law theory and made a biblical case for that approach. And he's also done much work on on how how it is that natural law entered into the social and political thinking of the Protestant reformers. Now, if you're interested in that deep subject, you're going to want to look into Dr. Van Drunen's various writings on natural law. But it's not that heady stuff that we'll be wrestling with on today's visit to the pastor's study. When I read Dr. Van Drunen's book, Living in God's Two Kingdoms, A Biblical Vision for Christianity and Culture, and I confess I... I had some big problems with his view of God's two kingdoms, but when I came to the very end of the book, particularly pages 194 to 203, and I read his treatment of politics, 
Well, I found myself agreeing with almost all of it and writing good in many places on those rich pages. And while Dr. Van Drunen and I may differ on our views of God's two kingdoms, the way Dr. Van Drunen opens up ways for Christians to think about public policy is, to say the least, immensely helpful. And I want him to help us work through some of those things on today's visit to the pastor's study. Now, remember that this program invites you to visit the pastor's study by way of our phone calls or texts. Now, if you want to be on the air as part of the program, the number is 631-955-5400. That's going to put you on the air, 631-955-5400. Or as most of you prefer to text your questions, you can do that anytime during the week, but particularly for this program, that number for text questions is 516-367-0391. 516-367-0391. Now put that under Pastor Bill. And even if we don't use your text questions today, we'll try to get to them in a future open forum. Those open forum programs that are kind of a media potpourri are very popular with our audience. And you make those programs in many ways by your very fine questions. But today, Dr. David Van Drunen of Westminster Seminary, California, is with us as we delve once more into God and government. Dr. Van Drunen, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you with us. Now, we're going to get right to this topic because I know we're only going to touch the hem of the garment today. Explain to us in simple terms what natural law theory is when it comes to issues of politics and ethics. And and I want to know particularly, well, why don't you answer that, and then I've got a specific question. How's that? Sure. Yeah, uh, I, I would say, first of all, that it's important to distinguish natural law from natural law theory. I think you asked your question in terms of natural law theory. So I would say that, very simply, natural law refers to uh, God revealing his will uh, for us as human beings in the very creation that, that he's made. And that natural law is right, and it is true, because it's God's revelation to us. Natural law theory would be our our response to that, our thinking about that, our trying to describe what that natural law is, and so that is always fallible, because we're fallible creatures. Uh, so to, to, to think about this in biblical or theological terms, I think it's always very helpful to think about uh, Romans 1 and 2, uh, which uh, tells us that uh, God makes himself known in the very things that have been made. And Actually, Romans 1, it doesn't just say that we might be able to know God or can know God, but it actually says that we do know God. All people actually do know God uh, through his creation. And so that suggests that the very way that God has made the world impresses the existence, the nature of God, and actually God's uh, moral requirements for human beings uh, upon us. And then Romans 2 uh, talks about the fact that God's law is uh, has been imprinted on, uh, on our very hearts. And Paul, the Apostle Paul there speaks about the fact that we all have consciences that are, that are able to make judgments about right and wrong, uh, that uh, uh, as we're confronted with this law of God that is uh, kind of bound up in the very created order. And if I could just add sure. one more thing, it's... Um, when, when people talk about natural law or natural law theory, 
they're often thinking about these very smart philosophers who are making these deep intellectual arguments. But I actually think it can be a lot simpler than that. And I like to, uh, when I'm thinking about natural law, I like to go back to the book of Proverbs. And if you think about the book of Proverbs, uh, it's, it's, it's meant to teach us wisdom and a very practical kind of wisdom for everyday daily life. And the way Proverbs often speaks, it, 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 it's not as though we are, are learning how to live by reading books, uh, but we're learning how to live by living in this world, by having experience in this world. Uh, we, we look at ants and we become wise. Uh, we, uh, we, we have this sense that as we live and we, as we interact with others, that there, is, uh, there are certain kinds, of, certain kinds of behavior that actually brings good things to ourselves and to others. And there's certain kind of behavior that is destructive. Uh, it brings discord. Uh, it brings poverty. And I would say that there's, there, there, there is, is this... Um, there's something familiar about God's law to every single person who lives in this world. And so when, when, when the Scriptures reveal God's law to us in a, in a very explicit way, that's not foreign uh, to, uh, to people who, who, uh, who hear that. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, God's law is enwoven in the very fabric of the universe— and so when we hear God's law proclaimed to us in the Scriptures, there's something at a very deep level at, uh, in each one of us uh, that resonates with that. You know, Dr. Van Drunen, I, I, um, and, and thank you for that, because, well, we, of course, we've corresponded, and, and this is one of the things I wrestle with normally when I think of natural law. It's kind of unaided reason trying to figure these things out, and that's clearly not what you're talking about. But I, I think right. when I was at... Uh, Westminster Seminary, California's counterpart in Philadelphia way back in the 70s. I remember one afternoon I had about three hours with with a black family, and they were poor. And uh, they did not have a lot of the world's benefits in education. And this is not to depreciate the wonderful education I got at Westminster Seminary. But I learned, I think, more about practical Christian living from these relatively unlearned people who were both Christians, but just looked at God's world and saw these things that just resonated. I mean, that's the kind of thing you're talking about, I think, right? Right. Yeah, right. yeah fascinating. All right, let me give you a specific. Um, on page 198 in your, in your Living in God's Two Kingdoms, you wrote, "...even unbelievers know the basic demands of justice." by virtue of God's natural revelation. How do, how, do, how do even unbelievers know those basic demands of justice? Yeah, I would say it's, it's, it's because unbelievers, like believers, uh, are made in the image of God. Uh, they have human nature, uh, the, the same nature that we who are Christians have, and they live in the same world that, uh, that, that we live in. And uh, the very same things that are being impressed upon us as Christians as we step out into the world and see the heavens declare God's glory, and uh, as they 
interact with their with their neighbors uh, in the community, at work, wherever. Uh, they're confronted with the very same things and the very same uh, this very same reality of the world. Uh, and it's interesting in um, Romans one and two. Romans one ends. Uh, by saying, uh, you know, it, it, there's 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 a whole list of of moral commands, uh, moral tr- truths that Paul has said that the people of this world uh, throw away, and it, Paul ends Romans one by by saying that uh, they know uh, God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die. There, there's a sense uh, that 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 even they have this sense, uh, even though they might deny it, suppress it, for, for obvious reasons, they, 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 they want to deny and suppress it, um, but they actually know that. And I think that's something that should be very encouraging to us as believers, as we want to talk about issues of justice, and then ultimately issues of the gospel uh, with our unbelieving neighbors. Let me ask you a very specific one, Dr. Van Drunen. Civil rights, um, is it part of what you, what you would call natural law that when we see people of other races or, or, or human beings of, of other sexual preferences, even, even when we believe those sexual preferences are wrong, when we see mistreatment of people, we recoil at it? Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Uh, yes, I definitely think that's part of it. That's right. I mean, if uh, if there is this natural law that we ought to treat one another in certain ways, uh, with uh, without uh, violence, uh, not stealing from them, uh, telling them the truth, uh, then it follows that uh, as a sort of uh, natural uh, deduction from that that. Uh, each and every person has a certain right to be treated in that way, that it is just uh, for each person to have their, their bodies respected, to have their property uh, respected, uh, n- not to be lied to. And, 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 and that's true of every single person. And so even if it's a person that we don't like, even if it's a person who uh, might live a different kind of life from the one that, that we live, that might profess a different religion from the way, uh, from, from what we do, that there are still obligations that we have to treat this person in a certain way. And that implies then that that person has a certain a, a right, a certain uh, claim to justice uh, to be treated by us uh, in that way. So I, I, I would see that the idea of natural rights or Civil rights is very much bound up with this idea of natural F- law. Fascinating. Yeah, our recoiling at what our own inmost beings say is injustice, the flip side of that is a, is a window, as you would put it, a natural law regarding justice then, right? Right. That's right. Well, this is a question, Dr. Van Drunen, is I've wrestled with these things uh, really since my own uh, conversion, actually, and always been interested in government. The Apostle Paul in Romans 13 uses ethical terms, good conduct, bad conduct, doing what is good. The magistrate uh, is God's servant for your good. He is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Okay, Talk to us 
about how we should understand these ethical categories from the perspective of natural law? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's really fascinating to read Romans 13, 1 through 7, which is the, uh, the, the text you're talking about, to read that uh, in its broader context in, in Romans. Uh, and I'll try to make clear uh, why I think this is so important. Uh, so if you're reading Romans and you get to chapter 12, and you read that, and there's this, these very rich moral exhortations, and they're specifically geared for uh, Paul's helping us understand what are the implications of the fact that we've been redeemed by Christ, that we are new creatures in Him, we've been justified, we're united to His Son, um, and we've been joined together in this, in this body of Christ, uh, the Church. And so I mean, that, that, that's what you find uh, uh, in chapter 12. And then if you skip ahead to chapter 13, verse 8, Paul picks right up there and is, is continuing on in that, in that same vein. But if you look at those intervening verses, 13, 1 through 7, which, which are these verses that talk about civil government, Paul continues to talk about uh, the, the moral life, uh, but the way that he does it, uh, it, it really changes uh, in, in, in some pretty important ways. And so uh, Romans 13.1 begins by Paul saying, let every soul or every person be subject to the governing authorities. So you see, he, he switches there that he's, he's been talking uh, about Christians and about, about how specifically we are to live as those who have been redeemed by Christ. And now all of a sudden he says, now every soul, every person, he's not just, he's not addressing Christians specifically here. He's saying this is what is true of every person. Every person is, is to be subject to these government authorities. And it's interesting then that in, instead of talking in this very rich, uh, we might say Christological way, or this, this way that is helping us see how to live in light of Christ's death and resurrection, uh, he uses these very generic terms, uh, good and evil, uh, the wrongdoer. And actually, you can find a lot of commentators on Romans that, that will observe this very, this, this very uh, thing that I'm talking about. And so what I would say here is that uh, Paul here is he's talking in a kind of a natural law way. He's, he's talking about what what every person is obligated to do, uh, what comes to every human being. Uh, this is not unique to Christians. And this, this good and bad is not a kind of a, this, this sort of deep uh, Christian love that he's, been, that he's been talking about in his previous discussion, but this is, this is the basics of good and evil, uh, of good and bad. And... Um, so I think you have to read this in a kind of a natural law way. This is something that basically everybody knows, and he's telling Christians, you can't give this up. Uh, you, you still have to live in this world. You have to submit to the authorities that are, that are in this world, uh, as I, God, have, um, have appointed them to, uh, to do justice and to punish those uh, who do what yeah, is interesting, evil. Interesting, interesting. My guest today, Dr. David Van Drunen, who is the author of, among many other things, Living in God's Two Kingdoms, a Biblical Vision for Christianity and Culture. 
And we're going to continue with more specifics from his book. Uh, if you'd like to call with your questions for Dr. Van Drunen, 631-955-5400, 631-955-5400. Or if you'd like to text your questions, you can do that anytime. Put it under Pastor Bill 516-367-0391. But it's time now for a message from The Voice of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, check out the website at reformationmetrony.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, reformationmetrony.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. My guest today, Dr. David Van Drunen, author of, among other things, Living in God's Two Kingdoms. And we're dealing with just one aspect of that book, uh, biblical vision, not just for culture from a Christian perspective, but especially politics. If you'd like to call with your questions, 631-955-5400. That should give you time to write it down, or you can text your questions, 516-367-0391. Put that under Pastor Bill. Dr. Van Drunen, let's get to some of the specific things that you write about about politics in your book. Um as as you develop these things, help help us think properly about public policy. And let me begin with this. Pages 196 to 198, you write that Scripture teaches a number of important truths. You give five of them about civil government. And these truths define a Christian view of government and politics. Wow, that's a lot. Churches, you say, are bound to teach these truths, and Christians should conduct their political lives accordingly. Wow. Give us those five particular truths, and and, and just comment, as, as I know you will, about where you get those views from the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, part of my point here is to say that, that, that Scripture doesn't give us all the details about what we're to, you know, how we're to conduct our affairs politically and what we should think about government policy, but there are certain things that that Scripture does uh, quite uh, clearly put before us. So one of them is that civil magistrates have been established by God. Uh, So they they exist by God's appointment. God wills that we have 
civil magistrates. And I think the opening of Romans 13 is, uh, is a very clear example of that. Uh, a second uh, thing that Scripture teaches is that our, our civil officials are responsible for enforcing justice in the affairs of this world. Uh, they're not appointed in order to bring utopia, in order to bring many, many good things that we might want in this world. They're specifically uh, called uh, to promote justice. And we also find that in Romans 13, specifically Romans 13, 3 and 4, which speaks uh, of God uh, uh, appointing civil magistrates to uh, to punish those who do evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, a third uh, thing that uh, I think is, is pretty clear from uh, the Scriptures is that Christians have obligations uh, towards their civil magistrates. Uh, so Romans 13, uh, again, uh, but also texts like uh, the beginning of 1 Timothy 2 and Jeremiah 29, 1 Peter 2, they speak about, about how we should honor our, our civil magistrates, uh, how we should submit to them. And uh, pay, our, pay taxes. our taxes. <laughs> and we should, and yeah. we should pray for them. Yeah, right. Okay, sure. Yeah, paying our taxes. We don't like to read that one, but that is what it says, right? Yeah, that's true. Sure. And, and it, it doesn't say that all taxes are wise, <laughs> uh, that all our tax money is used well, uh, but it does say that uh, we, we, we ought to do that. Right. And so that then I, I, I would also add forth that uh, uh, the Bible teaches that Christians may serve as government officials. Uh, it's okay to run for office. It's okay to have a government job. And, uh, you know, one way, uh, one place that we see this in the scriptures uh, is when, when government officials are converted in the New Testament, Jesus or the apostles never tell them to give up their jobs. Uh, and we see uh, Old Testament uh, saints like uh, Joseph or Daniel, uh, who uh, who served in, in, in government positions. And, and then I, I, w- I would add fifth, that uh, the Bible teaches that government's authority is limited. Uh, it, it, scripture doesn't give government a sort of a blank check to do whatever it wants. Uh, it is bound to do justice, uh, not a justice just of its own creation, but a justice that reflects uh, what is truly right, and, and also I would say that, that we, we see this from Scripture in the fact that uh, there are other places, there are other institutions that have legitimate uh, authority. And so there's, there's authority in the family, uh, there's authority in the church. And if there's real authority in these other places, then that means that government doesn't have a monopoly on authority, and it, it doesn't have authority to do everything and to lord it over every area of life. Now, Dr. Van Drunen, I, I, let me bring together last week's program and this one. Last week was on Samuel Rutherford's Lex Rex, The Law and King, and I, I fully realize you wouldn't come to the—you would use—you you might not accept all the ways that Samuel Rutherford comes to his conclusion, but would you agree with the conclusion that law is to be put over the magistrate or the political authority rather than the than the magistrate having absolute authority. Yeah, I think that's absolute. It's it's absolutely 
critical, I think. The, the, you know, even in Romans 13, which we were talking about before, uh, it, it says that God appointed magistrates to do justice, you know, to, to punish the wrongdoer. And so it's not as if God uh, gives to these authorities the, uh, this, this, you know, he doesn't give them the sword. Uh, he doesn't give them this coercive power in order to serve themselves, but he says that these authorities are the servants of God. Uh, they're, they're, they're there to serve him and to serve the purposes of justice. And so I think as we, as we think very practically about how to, uh, how to construct our own political systems, uh, uh, how to promote a just public policy, it's really important that we uh, look at and uh, treat our civil uh, officials as those who aren't just, uh, they're not autocrats, uh, they're not tyrants, uh, they're, they're those who are accountable. Uh, they're, they're accountable to what is just, they're accountable uh, ultimately uh, to God. And I think those are all various ways of saying uh, that we want the, uh, the rule of law and not of men, which is uh, kind of the phrase that's often used. And if you can answer this quickly, because we are running out of time before this, the break, uh, is it fair to say that it is not government that should tell parents how to educate their children, that, that parents should be able to make that decision within the, within the bounds of legitimate law? Yes, yes, you know. yeah. I would, I would absolutely say that, is that the, the primary authority over children and their training is with the parents. Right. It's not with the state right. official. Thank you. Dr. David Mandrunen with us, and we're going to be, be back with more on the whole matter of, of wisdom in the political sphere. Uh, but uh, I would like to call with your question, 631-955-5400. But for now, brief message before you. A visit to the pastor's study is brought to you each week at this time by the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. Our local congregations are in East Haddam, Connecticut, that's Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and in Hamden, Connecticut, that's Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon, and then also a congregation in Queens and Fresh Meadows, Reformation Presbyterian Church. Here on Long Island, you'll find Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Franklin Square and in Syosset, that's Trinity Church, and then the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Bohemia, New York. These aren't the only faithful churches in our area, but they're ones that we can commend to you, and we would encourage you to visit them if you don't already have a local church. We also encourage you to visit our website, visitthepastorstudy.org. That's all one word, visitthepastorstudy.org, where you'll find archives of all of the programs and what we call these magazine articles for the ear. Again, that's visitthepastorstudy.org. And I always appreciate your emails. You can email me at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. That's visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Questions you have about the program or about anything else connected with the work, I invite them. And now, back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you today. Call in number for your questions on the subject of God and government. If you'd like to speak with my guest, Dr. David Van Drunen, call in number 631-955-5400. Write it down, 
888-528-5400. Or for your text questions, and we have a fascinating one. Get ready for this one, Dr. Van Drunen. Text questions only, 516-367-0391. Okay, here we go. This is a, a, a fascinating question from our list, from a listener uh, texted question. First, there's an assertion, natural law is reciprocal. When are Christians held in respect as we try to respect those who follow all other lifestyles and religions, no matter how deviant? Can we, that is Christians, expect respect or just lay down like a doormat? They, that's got got some New York in it, Dr. Vendrun, and you're from the West Coast. Go for it. Yeah, well, it's it's a good question. I mean, I would say this. Look, um, we Christians ought to, uh, we deserve to be respected in the same ways that we ought to respect others. Yes, that is true. Uh, that is just. Uh, and I think that as, as we Christians live in this world, as we participate in political and legal affairs, uh, there is, it's, it's completely appropriate for us to promote laws that will uh, protect us uh, as well as protect uh, others. At the same time, I, I would also say that um, Scripture makes it very clear that we Christians can expect often to be mistreated in this world. Uh, and, you know, even when we are conducting ourselves in ways that are proper and right and ought to win the respect of other people, that often won't come. And when that doesn't come, I would say that we can continue to appeal to our civil magistrates for justice. We can continue to uh, vote in ways that uh, reflect what's right. But I, but I don't think that we are given the authority as Christians to take up the sword in the name of Christ and to fight our way uh, to what we think is a just social arrangement. So I think that's that's the kind of the basic answer that I would have to that question. And, and I think we have to do, excuse the expression, we have to do justice to the fact that there there is suffering in the Christian life, and Jesus did say, if they hated me, they're going to hate you also. So, I mean, what we're talking, it's not really a balancing act, I guess. It's really both things are true, right? We, we seek for yeah. justice for ourselves and others and fully realize there's going to be suffering for our stand for Christ. That's right. And, and you know, the, the obligation that we have to pursue justice is not contingent upon whether we think we're getting our, our fair share along the way. And, you know, as... As I, as I often say to people, that you know, uh, times in history when Christians have it really good, uh, when we're treated well, when we're given full freedom to worship and evangelize uh, uh, as we think we should, uh, those are probably the, the exceptional times in history. And... Scripture makes us to expect that, that we are going to suffer and that we are going to have to bear witness to Christ and to what is good and 
right uh, as we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. And um, so I, I think we're, gonna, we're just going to have to reckon with that. And it, it, when, when we Christians find ourselves under persecution, or, you know, you know whether in, in really overt ways or in more subtle ways, um, we shouldn't act like something's going wrong. Uh, I mean, it's, what's happening is exactly what, what Jesus said was going to happen, and so we shouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, in fact, actually, we probably, we may be thinking that the lack of persecution for Christians may be more of a commentary on the lack of saltiness of Christians than, than on anything else, but that's, that's for, probably another, true. Yeah. Yeah, for another day. On page 198 in, in your book that we're dealing with, Living in God's Two Kingdoms, you write that Christians must engage in politics alongside of unbelievers and are free to make common cause with them on issues of mutual concern. Two-pronged question, do you see examples of that in the Bible? And Actually, what does that look like? And I'm really wondering, is this the same as what the late Francis Schaeffer spoke of as co-belligerents but not allies? Okay, yeah. I, I, yeah, I would say that in... Uh, uh, say in Jeremiah 29, uh, you know, here the uh, the ancient Israelites had been sent off into exile in in Babylon, and they're uh, they're trying to figure out what to do there. They're 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 living under a government that is not uh, it's it's a pagan government. Uh, it's not sympathetic to their. Uh, to their religious convictions, the things that they hold most dear, and yet, uh, you know, they're they're wondering how how are they supposed to live in this environment? And the prophet Jeremiah sends them this letter, and he and he he tells them to uh, not only to settle down, uh, but he and, and and to build homes and plant gardens, have families. But he says, uh, seek the peace, uh, seek the welfare of the city in which you live, and pray for it. And, you know, I think we see the same thing there in, in, in uh, Romans 13, where you have this, uh, I mean, Paul is writing about a, about a pagan Roman government, and he says, submit to it, uh, uh, pay your taxes, uh, give, give honor to the uh, civil magistrates. And, and so there's, there's a sense in, in Scripture that uh, we as believers are, uh, we're called to live in political communities, not just with ourselves, uh, but with, with all sorts of other people. And we recognize, uh, as Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29, uh, when, when Babylon prospers, you will prosper. Uh, if, 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 things, if there's peace and order and prosperity in the place where you live, then that's going to benefit you. And so... Um, we recognize that that we're uh, we're surrounded by those who are are going to be different from us uh, in in some of our most basic valued convictions, and yet when we recognize that there are there are other people who are um, who are concerned about about things that are right about things that are that are just, uh, we may not be able to worship with them. We may not be able to. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ with them, uh, but if if we can work with them to uh, promote what's good, to promote what's what's just in our political life, then that that's actually a way that we can love our neighbors. Uh, 
And uh, you, know, you you asked about about Schaefer's uh, comment, and, and I, it's it's been a while since I've read Schaefer, so I, I don't remember exactly how how he used that, but I think he's getting at the same thing. Yeah, I think it is. It, yeah, is that you know if we're um, uh, when it comes to the most important things, when it comes to the spiritual things, the the everlasting things, uh, the things of our salvation, then non Christians are not our allies. But when it comes to a lot of uh, uh, issues of peace, of order, of justice, of prosperity in this world, we can be thankful uh, that God uh, has, uh, he does preserve uh, a lot of people in this world who don't, who don't profess his name and yet uh, are concerned about good things. And uh, there's nothing wrong. In fact, I think it's, it's actually a very good thing for us to try to make, make a kind uh, a kind of common cause with them when we can. Yeah, I think the the pro. I'll just use the phrase at this point: pro-life movement. Yeah, uh, which I think is much broader than many of us think. I, that's that's the thing that that comes to my mind. Well, yeah. uh, Doctor Vendrune, on page one ninety nine, uh, again, of living in God's two kingdoms. You're right. Where scri- Scripture is silent, there is no single Christian position that is on political issues. Each believer must seek to apply with wisdom, we're going back to your reference to Proverbs, biblical, with wisdom, biblical teaching that is relevant to political decisions. That, that fascinated me, and, and, and it says so much. Can you unpack that in, in, in a little bit, and maybe with some practical applications? Sure. Yeah, I would say that if, if we as Christians are thinking about, okay, you know, what, what are we obligated uh, to believe and to do and to promote when it comes to political life. Um, if, if Scripture sets before us uh, certain concerns clearly, then we would say, yes, we are obligated to, uh, uh, to, to heed those things, to believe those things, to promote those things. But, but you know, where we can't uh, find Scripture actually specifying a way, well, this, this may just be one of those many areas of, of life when uh, we have to make certain, certain judgment calls. Uh, we have to examine circumstances. Uh, we have to weigh priorities. Um, there are all sorts of factors. And in those kinds of situations, I think we have to recognize that you and I may come to some different conclusions about things. Uh, and uh, that that shouldn't be the kind of thing that that uh, makes us enemies. Uh, it shouldn't be the kind of thing that keeps us from worshiping together and ministering uh, together. And so, uh, you know, you used the the uh, uh, you uh, referred a moment ago to uh, the pro life uh, movement. So, I mean, I would use abortion as as a good example of something that I think. Scripture is pretty clear about. Uh, uh, scripture uh, speaks very uh, strongly about the fact that uh, every child in the womb, uh, from the time that our mothers conceived us, uh, have been known by God, have been cared for uh, by God, are actually sinners. Uh, all these things that indicate that uh, these are human beings, these are human persons, and if, if civil government uh, exists in order to 
do justice uh, in order to protect people from violence, uh, then I don't, I don't think that there can be much debate among us as Christians as to whether abortion uh, ought to be something which is legal or illegal. Uh, so, so I would use that as, as one example where I think uh, Christians uh, ought to promote a pro-life position, and, uh, I, and I think pastors, churches uh, can and ought to uh, teach that abortion is sinful. Uh, now, uh, how about on the other side? Um, are there things that we can disagree about? Um, one thing that I've, that I've thought about, uh, and I was writing about this recently, um, okay, take the example of uh, property. I, I think we can say that it's, it, it's very clear that stealing is wrong, uh, but a lot, of our, a lot of our political debates, um, legal struggles about property are not so much strictly about um, uh, should we steal or not steal, but it's, you know, how do we understand exactly what is property? Uh, is, is there such a thing or, you know, ought there to be such a thing as intellectual property? Um, is it, is it, uh, you know, can we own airspace? Uh, if, uh, if there's a river that flows through the property of many people, uh, what kind of property rights do they have in the water that flows through there? I mean, I, you know, the, those sorts of things, uh, are, are pretty important questions uh, for, our, for our economy, uh, for our, our legal rules about property, but you're not going to find those things laid out in the Scriptures. I mean, I can't think of any text that's going to tell me what, you know, what or whether there's such a thing as intellectual property. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I would give that as an example, but there are certainly a lot of other areas in which yeah. I think there can be very legitimate debates among Christians. Uh, Christians. You know, Dr. Van Drunen, and for the audience, this is why Dr. Van Drunen is so gifted at um, theology and biblical studies and ethics and law and how they all intersect. What a fascinating interview. Dr. Van Drunen, you got about a minute and a half left of your portion of the program. Tell us a little bit about Westminster Seminary in California, and you can give their contact information if you'd like. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a... Uh, uh, a seminary which is devoted to, uh, especially to training people for the gospel ministry, uh, uh, especially in Reformed and Presbyterian churches. Uh, we're, we're a fairly small school, about 130 students. Uh, we have a great uh, faculty-student ratio. Uh, we've just built a, uh, uh, a big uh, student housing complex uh, because we're really devoted to the idea that to train for the ministry, it's good to do it on site. It's it's good to to have a community of learning among faculty and students. And you know what we're really especially uh, devoted to doing is to teaching the scriptures and to try to help people to understand how to read and interpret the scriptures and uh, to be able to preach and teach that. And so if uh, if there's anyone who would like to learn more about the seminary, you can find our uh, web address is wscal 
edu. And I might also add, Pastor Shishko, that the weather is beautiful almost <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. It's in Escondido, <laughs> California. You wish you could put that weather in a bottle and bring it out here east. Hey, yeah. thanks so much, Dr. Van Drunen, for your time this morning. We so so appreciate that and the, and the good stimulation of the mind and the heart from that material. We come now to the section that we call Counsel from the Pastor's Study, and let's talk a little bit about the Christian and public policy. So much of the Christian life is like playing a football game. Um, You you have to play it heartily. You've got to do that if you're going to win. Don't go out of bounds. And, of course, the bounds are given to us in the Word of God, which is our final authority in faith and life. So if we talk about the game of politics or the game of, of the Christian and public policy, do it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the one who calls the shots. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. But what are the kind of out-of-bounds areas in this game of politics? Well, one out-of-bounds side would be despising politics. And as Dr. Van Drunen pointed out, we have the example in the scriptures of Joseph and, and of Daniel. Daniel in Babylon, or our world is pictured as Babylon, and Daniel, one of the Lord's people involved in, in government. So um, Christians, Christians should not abandon the sphere of politics, not at all. The world and all things are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. Let's pray that God raise up people with a sense of wisdom and justice and biblical understanding who will know how to apply that in various realms of the political sphere. And I would add to that, those who serve as judges, who don't make the law but interpret the law, how important that is. So that's one out-of-bounds side. The other is to make an idol of politics. Here it comes election years, and we're all like this as believers. We get caught up in all of the excitement of an election year. And if there's an election victory, as you understand it, well, then we say the kingdom of God has made a tremendous advance. Or if we perceive the election as a failure for the people that we've supported, then we are very downcast and say the kingdom has suffered some kind of a defeat. Folks, that is absolutely wrong. Remember that God is working all things according to the counsel of his own will. Whether that election has put into office the people you supported or the people that you opposed. And one of the texts that really strikes me in that regard is when Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, Cyrus was the the leader of of the nation that actually defeated the Babylonians. Cyrus was God's instrument, as wicked as he was, to defeat an even more wicked empire. And what's even more telling, Cyrus is called my servant because he was the one that God used so that the Israelites could go from exile back into the land. God is able to, and he does use leaders that you would not think much of in order to do good work. He he uses even bad leaders to do good work. God is wonderful at cutting a straight path with crooked sticks. So, so, So playing the game, there are clearly biblical issues, and Dr. Van Drunen mentioned, I think, the big one, abortion, euthanasia, 
everything that's connected with pro-life. So important. Why? Because God has made us in his image, and therefore life is to be respected and honored. Marriage. God made man male and female, and even, even before the fall, God ordained that one man and one woman be formed in marriage. Now, we, we, may, we may tolerate and, and we may accept the fact that there are those around us who conduct their lives differently and believe differently. That's not equal to approval. We, we have mentioned also civil rights. People as people are made in God's image, regardless of what they do with that image by abusing their bodies in one way or the other, regardless of race, regardless of, of skin color, uh, regardless of creed. They are people made in God's image. So those are clearly biblical issues, but there's a lot of wisdom issues. Oh, my, what do we do with the refugee crisis? What about the matter of health care? And we mentioned taxes. The magistrate is given to tax us. That doesn't mean that all taxation is either just or wise, and it takes wisdom to know how to deal with those issues. So what's most important, do your thinking play the game as a Christian, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ in the realm of politics as well as everything else. Our thanks to Dr. David Van Drunen for being my guest today on a visit to the pastor's study. Please check out the archives of past visit to the pastor's study programs. You can get them on sermonaudio.com, which is a great resource, or just go to visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's all one word, visitthepastorsstudy.org. There you'll find our archives, including a couple of programs on end-of-life issues where we do draw some insights from Dr. Van Drunen's book, Bioethics and the Christian Life. I appreciate your feedback. Love your questions. You can email me, visit Pastor Bill. That's all one word, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. Call my study if you'd like, 516-593-1507. Tomorrow, the Lord's Day, be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that's faithful to the Word of God. And remember, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.